Hello and welcome to She's Creative with me, Claire Hodgson. Each episode, I chat to a different woman or non-binary person who works within the creative industries and discover how they turned creativity into a career. My guest on this episode is Hannah Louise Farrington. Hannah is a content creator and influencer who has been featured in numerous publications, including Teen Vogue, Refinery29 and Company. She has more than 57,000 Instagram followers and has had a fashion and lifestyle blog since 2011. She was also named Best Fashion Influencer in Cosmopolitan's 2016 Influencer Awards. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, just to start things off, where did you grow up and what did your parents do for a living? So I grew up uh, near Blackburn, which is a town in East Lancashire, um, sort of Manchester way, basically, if you're not familiar. Um, my mum is a, a special needs coordinator in, in primary schools and my dad's an engineer. Cool. And do you live in London now? Yeah, since uh, 2015, five years deep. Um, when did you know that you wanted to start uh, blogging? Um, so like you said, I've, I've had a blog since 2011. And before that, I was on, you know, Tumblr, MySpace, Bebo, all, all, the, all of those sorts of things before that. And um, also a site called lookbook.nu, um, if anyone remembers that from back in the day um and that's the first thing I started posting my outfits on that's what you did you posted a picture of your outfit and people would like it the same sort of idea as Instagram now um and from that I kind of learned about what bloggers were I found out that it was a thing that existed started you know following some uh and then started my own yeah in 2011 so I think I was 17 then um but you know it wasn't a career it wasn't any like it, it was it's really not the same as starting a blog today or starting a blog three years ago even four or five years ago maybe um so it was really just a, a, a teenage hobby yeah and back then were people being paid to blog I believe so um I didn't know about it though really I think um especially in some of the Scandinavian countries, it was much more of a thing. They kind of already harnessed the power of the blogger. They'd understood it before we kind of knew what was going on. I remember, I can't remember, weirdly, the first thing I was paid for, but I remember getting free clothes when I was about, I, I was still living at home, so it must have, with my parents, so it must have been um, maybe a year or, or, or so into having a blog. And I was like, wow, no way. Like. I can't believe I didn't even like the things. They just sent me like random, just whatever, um, whatever it was that they were promoting. And I was like, yes, of course, I'd love some free clothes. Um, back when I was sort of taking photos with my mum's old digital camera against like a wardrobe door. It was all very um, professional. How did Momentum start for you and like the blog kicked off? So on Tumblr, I started amassing quite a lot of followers between, I guess, when was Tumblr, I think, sort of 2009, 10, 11, I guess, were the, the peak years of that. And so I think a lot of people transitioned from that into blogs. And then it's the same with Lookbook. You can get, fo you have followers on Lookbook at the time. So um, 
you, the traffic came mostly from from there and then Twitter and eventually Instagram. But I, yeah, my, my blog predated Instagram. Um, like certainly Instagram in the, in the iteration that it, that it's in today. I think my, when Instagram started getting a more serious part of the, the, the blogging and the sort of influencing, if you, it wasn't called that then, but um, it would be now, I guess, I guess that was around 2014 probably. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you said that companies started sending you clothes and things like that. When did you realize that it could become like a business? When I was at uni, I started earning bits and bits of money. And I think it was probably in my final year. Um, so what year will that have been? 2014-ish? Mm-hmm. 14, 15. Um, but I was like, oh, okay, this is like real money. I can, you know, this is like a, I'm earning much more than any of my friends were who were working part-time. Um so and then in in the it was quite a well like um not a whirlwind that's the wrong word but almost a, a quite a quick decision to to go full time with or to try to go full time i had i had my first big job that was like a good chunk of money in in the january before i finished uni um so i had that saved and i was like right i'm gonna move to london and give it a go mm-hmm. um and then yeah the the rest is history I suppose yeah talk me through how that kind of partnership works in terms of a brand um, and being paid to to post something yeah I guess it it varies from brand brand to brand sometimes you work directly with their in-house team sometimes it's through a third-party agency or you know PR Um, for the most part I, I get approached now like in pre or I don't know it depends actually if, if there's a brand I know I want to work with and I know I'd be a good fit for I have no sort of qualms in reaching out and pitching an idea the same way you would if you were you know writing for a publication mm-hmm. on a freelance basis uh, but yeah generally a brand will approach me and say we've got this project this is the campaign this is like the the product this whatever um what's your fee or this is the fee and then you kind of negotiate that and and um agree the deliverables so you know two posts and three stories that sort of thing um there's a lot of a lot of other things i've only learned about since doing it full-time that i had no idea about before like usage rights is such a big thing that you just don't get told about and every single brand tries to sneak it into the contract they basically like try and get you to kind of sign away the the right to that image for for eternity which right is, okay um it, but it's the sort of thing that you kind of learn learn as as you go um but yeah so you agree on all that um i'll do the photo or the video or whatever it is send it to the brand for approval generally with a caption and they say yep cool or they say can you change this can you alter this but i i i think because I've been doing it so long I have a pretty strong idea of what what works and what's what what will work for my um what content will work for my audience so I I don't reshoot that much mm-hmm. um and then yeah you post it and then get paid eventually and um you're saying about the usage rights do you normally push to 
have ownership of the image so with usage rights it's i would always yeah own my image um you know whether it's because i've taken it myself or because i've paid a photographer or whatever like i own the image um and, and you can sell a brand the right to use that for you know six months on social or okay. in store or whatever like um that's that's how that works kind of okay. but yeah i would always retain um yeah the, the ultimate image image mm -hmm. right so in terms of things like when you you post a story or whatever mm -hmm. are even instagram stories pre-approved by the brand if it's for a paid paid partnership then yeah they tend to be mm -hmm. okay that's interesting and um obviously you you will as well get sent a lot of stuff that's gifted how does that work do you are you like obliged to post that and say it's gifted or is that up to you um generally unless it's something that i've reached out and asked for in which case i would always post about it because i think that would be quite rude to ask for something and then not um follow it up by posting about it but if it's just stuff i've been sent and i haven't asked for there's absolutely no obligation mm -hmm. um, if it's stuff that they've asked me first would you like this and i go yes please um then i guess i probably would post three quarters of that sort of thing depending on what it is just mm -hmm. um because obviously like if you're not being paid there's no obligation to post but but i have I constantly have to be making content. I constantly have to have things to talk about, um, whether those are new things or, or old things or secondhand things or what's going on in my life. Anything, basically, anything can be anything can be content. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah. There's but there's yeah. Bottom line, there's no obligation with a gift, and there shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And how do you end up on those kind of PR lists where you get sent things? Just by being a known sort of person in the industry, I guess. Uh, again, there's no, I don't think there's anything wrong with reaching out to brands or PRs, or I know that the people that I'm close with who are also bloggers or influencers, we will, will quite happily share contacts with each other. Um, or, you know, intro someone to a brand like hello i think you know this person would be a really good fit for the brand right um it's kind of like a you know camaraderie i suppose a bit mm -hmm. of a scratch your back you scratch mine kind of thing and it's, it's also just nice like a, a lot of people I'm, I'm like good friends with these people that i'm sort of referring to as people within the industry so um but that's one way introducing mm -hmm. yourself especially if i guess if you were a new a new face is that what they're called a new influencer someone who hasn't been doing this for years then reaching out via email or, or in fact just literally dming the brand on instagram i know that that can absolutely work because if if they like you then they will pay attention to that and they will take an interest if, if they don't like you and you're not the right fit then they might ignore you but you know that you can't you can't win everyone over but um yeah in terms of how to get on these sort of pr lists i guess that would be the other than you know establishing yourself as a as a creator and then they will find you yeah reaching out is is, is the other mm -hmm. 
back in back in the early days, you know, when you started getting invited to events and and trips like that, um, it must have all seemed really, you know, glamorous. As did you ever like get used to it? Like, how long did it take for it to seem, you know? Um, yeah, I definitely have moments where I'm like, oh my god, who has sent me this stuff that I haven't asked for? I've got no room for all this crap. Like, blah blah blah, <laughs> which does seem a little bit bratty, but um, also like. I think, you know, I don't want, I, I don't, I don't want to give examples in case that's me being too rude. But um, yeah, I think well, every everything about this, especially obviously, there's no trips and stuff at the moment. Yeah. But you know, getting to go to places like LA for free and to even be paid to go on the trips sometimes. Obviously, it's you know to do work while you're there. You don't just get a holiday. It's a press trip is a very different vibe than just being away with your mates. But it's still, you know, you get to travel and see places. It's quite, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a pinch me kind of thing. And then with parties and events, I don't know, I guess some of them are amazing. Like some of them you're like, wow, this is like extremely cool. And some of them are uh, less, less that. Mm -hmm. But um, when I first, before I moved to London, going to my first events here, when I came down a couple of times for like fashion week and other stuff, that was like, wow. Um, and then I guess after a year or two, I kind of got used to that as well, but it's still, I mean, you know, if you, if you think about it, it's still pretty, it's all pretty amazing. Yeah. And those press trips you're talking about, like you said, you got to go to LA. Um, what was that whole experience like? Well, the LA trip in particular was with, uh, Sunglass Hut who are, uh, you know, everyone knows who they are. They've got shops everywhere. Um, so we were out there to shoot sunglasses content obviously um and there was a group of six of us actually no five because one person couldn't come and then the prs and we we're all quite we were all quite friendly with each other already so that was really fun but obviously you still have to kind of put a put a shift in when it comes to doing the content so it was a nice balance really um but yeah i mean fly, flying to america for for work yeah i mean amazing what was your day-to-day -day like? I've done press trips that are a little bit more relaxed before, like less of an itinerary, but this was pretty, um, you know, planned. So there was like, we're shooting here from here to then, and then we're going to go out for dinner and have a nice time and whatever. So it's like a nice, a nice balance, but that sort of thing varies from trip to trip and whether, and it depends on if you're being paid or if you're just going to be kind of, you know, posting your stories while you're there, or it depends what kind of brand you're with. Sometimes, trips are with uh you know a hotel or a tourist board and that's a very different kind of vibe than if you're there with a, a brand to to kind of promote product mm -hmm. so yeah it completely varies but it's always um it's always an experience and you're talking about how on that trip in particular you knew a lot of the people pretty well would you say that the influencer space you know is there kind of um clicks of people that are mates and are people friendly with each other I think the thing is with influencers people forget that there's so many different types yeah the same way that there's different types of press so like there's whole hordes of influencers that I have no idea about I don't know they exist the more especially the more like reality tv side who are themselves influencers too like I just don't know those people whereas you have people like me who had a blog you know 10 years ago there's there's definitely a a kind of core group of people of that kind of ilk who we all know each other because we've been around for so long in the same sort of circles at the same events um 
and then you know there's people newer people people who never had blogs who started on instagram and then had a blog there's i don't know there's all sorts but i think like there's so many now it's impossible to know everyone but but on the whole i think there's definitely a, a positive um sort of energy a positive camaraderie between people wanting to support each other um especially because it's you know predominantly female but yeah it's uh, yeah click is the wrong word click has kind of a negative connotation to me but there's definitely friendship groups Mm -hmm. and and really strong friendships that have, have formed between um people who have met because of because of doing this as a job Mm-hmm. When you're talking about events as well, um, when you go to an event, is that similar to when you're gifted something in the sense that you don't need to post about it, or is yeah, it, yeah, unless, unless you're being paid to be there again. Well, I mean, you can get. I think this tends to apply to people who are more kind of a much higher level, like into the millions of followers or the hundreds and hundreds of thousands. But you can get appearance fees or a thing. Um, which tend to come with, you know, go to the event and also do a post or be photographed. Um, so, yeah, unless you've signed something like that or agreed to something like that, then, yeah, there's no obligation. But, again, because it's it's always good to have interesting things to post about, people do tend mm-hmm. to, you know, show when they're at a, an event or a dinner or whatever. How How much content would you say that you post in a day or in a week? I try to post more or less daily on Instagram on my feed. Sometimes it's every other day. Stories, I guess, again, vary day to day depending on what you're doing. But I try to have a pretty consistent stream of stories because that's the sort of thing. I mean, stories, again, is, is a weird concept because they just didn't exist a few years ago. So I'm like, what was I doing before I was doing stories all the mm-hmm. time? Nothing. Um, but yeah i think obviously like you can take a break and people generally respect that or certainly the kind of people that follow me respect that but yeah there's kind of always there's always content there's always content to be created it sounds so stupid but yeah there's always like it's 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 a pretty consistent um kind of thought in my head like right i'm gonna need to get some photos of that this week i'm gonna need to do that you know um but yeah, I'd say most most days I'll be taking a photo, whether it's of me or of some something else, like, you know, homeware kind of stuff. I don't know. Like there's but yeah, it's a pretty daily obligation. Does that boost your kind of algorithm then if you're posting more regularly, would you say? God, nobody knows. <laughs> so, nobody knows. I don't I don't even want to attempt to answer that. Theoretically, yes, but there is simply no way of knowing. I wish mm-hmm. there was. I've seen a lot of posts recently about how the best ways to support influencers are to, you know, share a post or to save it rather than like and comment. Is that a kind of new thing? All of these sorts of things are kind of that. Some of it comes from Instagram officially. Some of it's just sort of theories that people have like I've heard so many there was a there was a um when they first introduced being able to edit captions has that always been a thing I don't know but Mm, yeah you didn't yeah yeah the rumor was like you know if you edit a caption 
they stop showing your photo, like, or mm. they limit the reach or whatever. Um, if, if your post is an ad, they limit the reach, which I kind of think is true, but it's, it's impossible to, to know really. Um, and as far as, you know, I think if you, if you like a post, I, cause if I see a post I like, and I know I might want to revisit, then I'll save it, which I guess is, yeah. And, and, or share it on my story. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, they're all good things to do They're ways of helping people out, but I don't think it's, it's, it's gonna it's it gets into tricky territory when you're putting the onus on the the audience like please please share my post so that i can like mm. get likes it, it's not quite how it's supposed to work like i'm supposed to be creating content that you like so much that you will share it or save it you know what yeah. i mean obviously like sometimes sometimes i'll do a post that i think is great and it'll go absolutely nowhere and then in that instance you put it on your story like hello if you've not seen this please have a look at it kind of thing but um yeah I, I mean anything to do with the algorithm is just it's it's a it's a bit of a minefield mm-hmm. is instagram your main um platform at the moment then how much of it is still blogging so i don't actually blog anymore i haven't for two years mm-hmm so yeah it's it's pretty much exclusively instagram now which i always said years ago i didn't ever want to do i didn't want to have all my eggs in one basket and to be reliant on the you know the whims of of the of a platform like instagram because you know you just never know where it's going to go um however with the blog i found i was that was always more time consuming or or i would be creating content primarily for the blog and then posting that on Instagram. Whereas I think the, the, the shift kind of changed. People want both. They want separate blog content and separate Instagram content and they, they have to, you know, fit alongside each other, but it's, you know, you can't just get away with posting. I, what the, the kind of traditional, I suppose, outfit post on a blog would have been, you know, six, eight photos of an outfit, details, shoes, bag, whatever little paragraph or two about it um links to everything and then you'd post some of those on instagram that was the kind of format but i think people want much more kind of outside the box and there's obviously loads more like instagram is putting such a a focus on video content at the moment too with reels and all that sort of stuff so that that kind of format that used to be um that used to be kind of how it worked i guess doesn't doesn't really apply anymore so I think for me, creating content specifically for Instagram and only doing that is, is a more effective way to spend my time. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as blogging and, and, you know, actually writing, sort of writing paragraphs and paragraphs, I kind of, I did used to very much enjoy that, but I found people were doing a lot of kind of think pieces, I suppose you would call them, very regularly. And I think I've, I've kind of run out of things to say in that department and I don't want to just be pulling it out of my ass for no reason, you know, it's not sincere. So I kind of, I just stopped really. And that's not to say that I never say anything serious on Instagram because I do sometimes, um, whether that's in a caption or a series of stories or whatever. But yeah, I don't think you, I don't know, it just wasn't for me anymore. But there are still people who, who do blog and who, who do an amazing job of it. And I'm sure 
have a lot of readers still um it's just something that i personally moved away from what tips would you have for people that are looking to grow their following really very difficult to say because when i was growing sort of a lot was you know years ago and because i've been doing it so long you have that kind of i think i've just come out of it now but a, a, a bit of a period of losing the old and sort of gaining the new because obviously i've grown and i've changed a lot a lot of my original followers probably don't even use instagram anymore i've deleted their accounts become sort of dead followers and, and you kind of have that shift over um but generally um tips for growing would be a consistency uh, both in you know posting regularly and also consistency in your aesthetic like if you want to be a fashion influencer posting your outfits and you know maintaining your style don't just sort of I don't don't know like it's a very difficult question to answer Mm -hmm. because you know you could do that and it just might not work there's no like secret formula but you can learn a lot from following other people and seeing what they're doing and not you know not necessarily copying but being like right so she talks a lot, face like uh, talks to camera a lot on her stories. Um, is always doing little Q and As, and she seems to be growing. Maybe I'll try that, that sort of thing. Um, if it's someone that has a similar sort of vibe to 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 your content, I think there's there's always things to be learned from from peers in that respect. But there's yeah, there's no sort of secret formula or one tip. Uh, unfortunately, otherwise I would be doing it. <laughs> Do you think it's quite a saturated market now? Yeah, hugely. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not to say that there's not room for more, especially um, more uh, sort of more diverse people because, you know, the, the kind of typical influencer of five years ago or whatever, I mean, I myself, I'm a like, straight-sized white woman. Like, it's not, you know my demographic is hugely overrepresented in the influencer industry and that is something that both people like myself and brands are supposedly working on trying to kind of um broaden the the variety of influencers that are represented on campaigns whether that's race uh gender identity sexuality size everything um but yeah, I, I, I don't think that the, the fact that it's oversaturated doesn't mean that new people can't and won't still come up. Like you get people who only started an account a year ago and they've already got 500,000 followers because people love what they do. But I think that just makes it more important to have a, a point of difference or a USP or whatever and, mm-hmm. and that you to decide what that is. Do you think brands are making well most brands are making a real conscious effort to include more diversity or do you think sometimes they're just saying that they are it's very hard to uh to to tell um especially because we're we're relatively still it's not been that long since the black lives matter movement really picked up momentum back Mm -hmm. in june july um and there's obviously not been trips which is like the the kind of archetypal like you can look at a row of 10 people and go like well they all look the same um 
but yeah if you can kind of if you spot a campaign happening and you go like oh everyone I've seen doing this particular campaign looks the same um I guess I guess you could you could tell that way but I, I mean I think I think brands are making an effort because they have to now they've been forced to by people by the public by individuals by the community of influencers like it, it has to happen so yeah I think even if it is only for the reason that they don't want to be seen to be mm-hmm. racist or, or not diverse um yeah I think it, it is happening slowly but surely and in recent years as well there's been talk about you know micro influencing and people that just have like a few thousand followers um being able to partner up with brands um how much have you seen um that happening like do you think that is more a more common thing now um i think so i don't really know much about it in terms of you know figures like whether you'd get paid i mean i think i must have had well i think i got paid for blog posts but i couldn't tell you what my numbers were like readership wise mm-hmm. i don't think i got paid to post anything on instagram until i had maybe twenty thousand followers probably okay around that period but that's just not the case anymore you can you can still be paid even if you only have let's say five six thousand followers um if you're a lot of it is about the kind of content you're creating as well if you take amazing photos even if you don't have that many followers brands want those photos for their own social media so like that yeah in that respect um it's not just about audience size it's about what you're creating and also for whom like if you have a very engaged audience a very specific niche like um i know this happens a lot also with the with male influencers menswear is much much less saturated than if you're really quality um kind of menswear influencer then you're like almost more in demand so even if you don't have as many followers as as um you know yeah if you're on you know i guess under 10k is what a micro influencer is i think mm-hmm. uh, your content can still be really really valuable and your influence can be really valuable you know like if you if you've got 9000 followers and you sell you might be able to sell 100 coats whereas someone with 400,000 followers and the wrong audience might not sell anything mm. you know what i mean so it, it, yeah. there's a lot more variables than just number of followers how do brands track that like do they keep tabs on how many items you sell and does that affect how they work with you in the future um again it varies like uh some brands or some prs are quite focused in that return on investment like clicks and sales and stuff but i think there is much more much it's being a an influencer or whatever is it's a it's very valuable in terms of brand awareness and brand image which is something that is much harder to put a figure on so yeah it's some some brands will be like right well she didn't sell us any jumpers so we're not going to work with her again but some brands would be like you know maybe she didn't sell us any jumpers but we love that image so we'll work with her again like again it just really um varies i guess and it's also sometimes hard to tell like if you've posted on instagram you don't have a direct link so it is you can't directly track it a lot of the time in terms of the rates that you get paid does that does that vary a lot in terms of the brand or you know the number of 
followers someone has? Yeah, I, I think, again, there's some sort of discrepancy based on what kind of influencer you are. Like if you're a photographer and we're create, creating amazing images and spending a lot of time on them versus someone who's taken a, an outfit picture in a mirror, the, the, there might be different uh, rates for that that aren't necessarily um, relative to number of followers. Um, but yeah, the, the, the general rule would be the, the more followers you have, the more you get paid. But again, really depends on stuff like who your audience is, whether they're engaged. Like if your audience is all 13 year olds, you're not going to be as valuable to a brand as someone who has mm-hmm. majority in that, you know, 25 to 34 bracket or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I know even for people with the same number of followers or even for an individual like myself, the, the amount of money you get offered first by the brand varies very dramatically from uh from brand to brand but yeah the uh the the actual figures i get paid tend to be fairly consistent because i think it's important to not just accept any old or to be undercut or to be kind of undervalued would you say there's room for negotiation then or is it normally just yeah always yeah okay yeah or almost always like occasionally you know you'll get like this is our budget and you'll go can you do this and they say no and then you make a decision based on that but yeah uh i feel like unless the the first figure is what your fee is what your standard fee is then there's always room for um negotiation for sure would you say there's any kind of baseline figure that people should be accepting if they maybe have say I don't know, 20,000 followers, like the minimum that you would say people normally need to have? Honestly, I have no idea. Like I can't, it's difficult because it's been a long time since I had that figure. And yeah. back then, like, again, like I said, I probably wasn't being paid for mm-hmm. anything. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's really impossible to say. And then again, I mentioned usage rights before, but stuff like that whether they want to use your image afterwards that very very dramatically affects the uh the figure i yeah i couldn't put a a specific number when you take the photos do you have like a typical setup do you just use your iphone do you use editing apps that kind of thing um yeah sometimes i'll shoot i actually have a, a google pixel but yeah most of my photos I'd probably say are shot on that and sometimes I use a, a camera whether that's uh I've got a little, I've actually been my boyfriend has a little Lumix thing I can't even remember what it is that we've been using um or a couple of my friends have proper sort of DSLRs people who are um more into fo- like photography than I am or or have I have a little film camera that I use a lot as well um yeah that I, I guess yeah completely varies um for the my process I think for the most part tends to be if it's not for a paid job which I will plan a little bit more um stringently if it's just like I'm wearing an outfit and I want a photo of it it'll be like oh can you just take a picture of me by this wall or whatever um sort of done 10 minutes uh it's pretty <laughs> pretty fuss free but I know some people's process is a lot more intense than that and some people only shoot very editorial content um so yeah that's a whole different I used to shoot a lot more with photographers when I had a when I was blogging because um a phones were not good (laughs) 
phones didn't have the good cameras back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it was just, I guess, the kind of the done thing to have proper quality, high quality imagery on your blog. Whereas on Instagram, it's, it's less the, the um, you know, the technical quality of the image is less important. You can still create a beautiful image on your, on your phone. And there's been a lot of talk in recent years about, um, you know, big content creators and influencers, you know, using a lot of filters or Facetune or whatever and, and people, you know, the implications that can have. Do you think that that is a problem in the industry in terms of body image or do you think it's getting better? I think it is in, again, in that more sort of the, the Love Island style corner mm-hmm. of the industry where people are, you know, really, really manipulating their photos quite dramatically. Like the way I edit and the way I think anyone I know edits is, you know, colours, lights, that sort of thing adjusting levels it's not um distorting anything or smoothing anything out or or slimming anything down that's not not what what anyone i know does um but i think yeah in in different corners of the industry it, it for sure is are there any apps that you would recommend that help get you know the colors right and things like that so i use lightroom now um and I have a bunch of presets that I've bought from various sources. Uh, but before that, I would always just use VSCO, which is uh, both easier and cheaper. If you want the whole set of filters they have, I think it's like 18 pounds a year or something, which is, you know, really quite reasonable. And there's a massive amount to choose from and it's really easy to use. So um, that and also Snapseed are the ones that I would recommend but I prefer I much prefer Lightroom you can do a lot more with it but you have to kind of know how to use it a bit better which I definitely didn't used to Mm -hmm. um what do you think the future of Instagram or influencing in general is going to be like um again sort of impossible to say but there's obviously since TikTok has been a thing there's been a huge huge like TikTok influencers are so important now but it's just something that I have no idea about like it's so beyond my like realm of knowledge it's obviously not really for my age group um like i i think tiktok content is amazing and what i see of it on twitter for example i think is sort of it's like brilliant but it's just not my not my world not my industry um but obviously with reels instagram is trying to make a a step towards being like more like that the same way they kind of um rendered snapchat useless with the stories or or Mm -hmm. for my generation i know kids still use snapchat but um yeah i think any influencer now has to just be able to adapt what they do to 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 what people want and uh, but also i think the main thing that people want is consistent quality content and and a consistent kind of personal brand or personality and as long as you're kind of being authentic in that way you know whether or not you're doing a traditional blog post or a reel like as long as your sort of personality and your aesthetic and whatever else people follow you for kind of comes through then then I think it's it's entirely possible to to kind of adjust with the times the same way that I went from 
shooting on an old digital camera against a bedroom wall to 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 where I am now mm-hmm. and when um, brands approach you how much uh, of the time would you say you turn the brands down it's difficult to say because some some stuff you get approached about is like complete nonsense or like it's you know affiliate programs sell sell I don't know mm. 10 of these whatever's and you'll get 50p sort of thing so that's something I just ignore and then sometimes you'll get like I'd say it's quite rare maybe one in 10 sort of mm-hmm. more serious offers more two in 10 I don't know it, either the brand won't suit or for example because I'm I'm vegan and I don't do mm-hmm. um, I don't work with beauty brands that test on animals that's the biggest yeah. thing have to turn down and the most depressing thing to have to turn down because there's loads of money usually because they're all massive brands but um that's quite specific to me mm-hmm. and also like quite a lot of other people in the industry but yeah I'd say I don't know one in ten is probably too low maybe a quarter of things I'm yeah. about in a more serious way I, I don't do and how often do you get sent stuff in the post quite a lot I've tried to reduce like you know a few years ago I'd be getting daily stuff to to make that not the case um if it's you know clothes or whatever i'll i'll if someone says do you want gifting i'll only say yes because i really want the thing and mm-hmm. i know it's like a good investment or whatever whereas you know a few years ago i'd be getting monthly or every couple of months packages of like 10 things from asos or, or whoever and i just you know uh, both on a personal level and also with the um, sort of increase in focus on sustainability, it's just not something that I want to do is have that constant stream of new, new stuff anymore. And I've seen a lot of influencers as well provide, you know, advertising for um, a service like, I don't know, a lot, a lot of influencers get like veneers done or whatever. And then that's, uh, they get that for free um, if they, promote it how does that kind of thing work um kind of the same really I think if it's something like veneers or so I've been as a personal example I've been seeing because I've had bad skin recently over the past few months sort of out of nowhere and I've been seeing a um a lady she's a an esthetician is the official term but sort of a dermatologist type person and she's been doing some of my treatment for free in exchange for me posting about it and then I'm paying for like products or whatever and then sometimes, you know, so I've, I, I mean, I've had emails like, do you want filler or do you mm-hmm. want Botox or whatever? I'm like, no, probably, probably not. And if I was to do that, that wouldn't be the sort of thing I would promote. I think I would talk about it, but I wouldn't promote it as a kind of a fine line. Um, and if, yeah, if you're being paid to do something or even if you're getting it for free, there's, there's more of a, um, it definitely feels more of a promotion than a discussion. But yeah, largely it works the same as if you're as if you're promoting a jumper or whatever. It's just you get the thing either gifted or you're being paid as well, and you go here. Here's my new teeth. This is what I think of them. Like you can see them. I, I don't know. It's kind of the mm-hmm. same same sort of process, really. Do you think there's more transparency now with um, what people are getting paid to do and what they're being gifted and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, there should be because it's legal. I mean, when I first started being paid, you didn't have to declare it at all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing that ever crossed my mind. Like, I I always used to, um, 
on the blog the sort of standard thing was if you got gifted something you'd put a little asterisk next to it and then you'd have a little disclaimer somewhere that said if it's got an asterisk it was gifted but you can't do that on instagram obviously so but yeah no now the the, the law is that if you're paid you have to state it very very clearly um you know like ad paid or if you're gifted you're supposed to say gifted or pr experience or whatever whatever um but a lot of people just don't do it i have some stuff that i know full well as an ad and they've just not or they've put it a hashtag right at the end of the caption which you're not supposed to do anymore either Mm. um but it's definitely i mean it's definitely becoming more more transparent i actually think the the asa guidelines are a little bit unfair on influencers because you just do not have to do that sort of thing in any other kind of media like print magazines everything they feature has been gifted to the editors like Mm. (laughs) the editor wants a really expensive coat face cream whatever like if they get sent it by the pr they'll put they'll they'll feature it in the magazine but that sort of kind of tit for tat um you know that that kind of process is not um ever declared and it's not you don't have to declare it so i think it's the rules are a bit unfair but but it is important to be transparent especially if you've actually been paid for it Mm -hmm. yeah there's been as well a lot of I've seen a lot of stuff in headlines about influencers unionizing recently as well. Is that something that you've came across? Yeah, it's something that I'm super interested in personally because um, I think my general stance would be pro-union and it's just not something that um, has ever been an option or that anyone has managed to do. There is a thing at the moment called the Creators Union, which is kind of in in the works, um, which basically the aim of it is to 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 kind of um ensure fair treatment and fair pay across kind of anyone who would be considered a creator um sort of a similar model to i would imagine the the national union of journalists that sort of thing um because there is just no there's no standard and certainly like i have always been quite happy to discuss fees with people individually you know i wouldn't necessarily post my fees on on my instagram or on my blog or in an article or whatever i don't think that's productive because there's so many other factors like i like i say but um i think it's like important to talk about with your peers and that's something that traditionally is kind of discouraged or is seen as like inappropriate or crass or distasteful or whatever um but with a yeah with a union that kind of openness um and kind of yeah just having having a representative body behind you rather than just yourself like oh i think i should be getting paid this much because like um that's mm-hmm. what i think whereas if you've got you know a union behind you going like this is the the union standard whatever it's it's um yeah it's something that i really really does hope happen because a lot of brands a lot of brands are great and are very fair and a lot of them take the piss so especially yeah. out of people who are newer or don't quite understand what's going on and like i t- like i said again to go on about usage rights so that's something that still every single contract i get that's snuck in there and you have to ask for it to be taken out mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely a good tip um and just to finish things off as well um what general what general advice or top tips would you give to someone who is maybe starting out as an influencer or trying to break in consistency um knowing why you're doing this 
if you're doing it for money or for free products, then you might want to kind of be a bit more realistic about the fact that you might not get paid or you might not get anything for free for a while. Like it's obviously not the same as when I started, but I did do years of sort of work, although it was a hobby at the time I did years of content without getting paid for anything. And I, that's not the same as it is now. And I do think that people should expect to be paid if, if a brand approaches them, but don't expect to be approached by brands for, you know, immediately. If you've got 2000 followers and half of them are your mates, you've, you've got to kind of try and suss out where your value lies to a brand, what your USP is and, and work on that and just try and yeah, consistency and having a, a, a unique a point of difference from, from whatever else is out there. That was content creator and influencer Hannah Louise Farrington. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Hannah Louise F. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to support the podcast, you can give a small donation on coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash she's creative pod. You can find the podcast on social media at she's creative pod and I'm on social media at underscore Claire Hutch. See you next time.